Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you're here with us today. This podcast is all about business, branding, sports, and leadership, and how to move the ball. And I'm just going to put it out there that if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you never miss an episode. And to those who have reached out to me about the show over the last few weeks, I just want to say thank you so much for all your feedback. It really means a lot to me to hear what you guys think of the show, and I truly appreciate all of you. All right. So today I've got a fantastic guest with us, someone who played in the NFL, played in the CFL, and who is packed with energy and knows how to make things happen. Inside the huddle with us today and ready to share his amazing insights and help us to move the ball is TJ Graham. TJ played college football at North Carolina State as a wide receiver, and he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the third round of the 2012 NFL draft. TJ spent six years in the NFL, three years in the CFL, and TJ currently trains clients in maximum velocity, and he is also the director of performance for Breakaway Data, both things we will discuss during the show. TJ, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you with us here today. As I mentioned, when I did the intro, you're someone that has a ton of energy, and I'm just really excited for you to share, you know, your insights, your lessons, your experiences, and again, help us to move the ball. So glad to have you with us. Where I want to kick off our conversation is let's talk a little bit about how football connects so well to business, to branding, to your career, and to just life. As you know, in my book, Move the Ball, I discuss a number of strategies, principles, lessons that show people how to reach that next level of success using football. Talk to us about for you, what were some of those things that you've learned? I mean, you've been a competitive athlete, not just playing football. You also ran track. But what were some of the lessons that being a competitive athlete and playing football specifically taught you to be successful? So the thing about football that really has taught me quality life skills, honestly, is kind of my toughness where I haven't always been the biggest person on the field, definitely not always been the smallest, but always been on the smaller side of stuff. And just having that ability to, you know, get over those jitters or having those uh, thoughts and approach a sport that's fairly physical. I've taken that approach into like business and life where honestly, like nothing scarier than a linebacker or a safety or a D lineman trying to take your head off in football. And in business, it's very similar in a sense of things are stressful, things are tough, things get hard and you're tired and but you got to push through it and just going through football and taking that same approach in business and life has made it so much simpler because honestly, there's no person there trying to take your head off. You know, you just kind of have to put your head down, get to the next play, you know, get to the next drive, finish out the quarter, finish out the half, finish the game, review the game, prepare for the next game, on to the next. And taking that same approach to business is very similar where there's so many ups and downs in it that you don't understand. And it's very similar to sport. You you mentioned that I I ran track and track is probably the most individualistic style sport I've participated in where 
when you step on the track and you're on that in your lane, it's just you. All that hard work you put into like prior is 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 it's gonna show and you have to do it. So applying that to how I am now, just even through parenting, where some days my son's up all night or so and he's asleep and or he can't sleep and I want to get some sleep. It's okay. It's just me in the lane. Just go ahead and get it done. You know, finish your race. Uh, sports, football in general have definitely been a huge benefit to a lot of situations in my life. And just kind of, you know, learning those life skills through that activity is it's amazing. So I'm excited that I ever played sports because it's made life so much simpler on my side. Yeah. I mean, there's so <laughs> many benefits that being a competitive athlete trains you for, equips yeah. you for it to be successful mm-hmm. beyond the sport that you're playing. And you mentioned toughness. I mean, mental toughness, being tough physically, mentally, emotionally is important no matter what you do in life. Can you tell us about, was that something you kind of just had that was always part of your nature? Did you have to develop that over time? And if so, how did you do that? Well, it's funny you asked that question. So yeah, so toughness, just having that mental toughness and physical toughness comes through a few life events that kind of, as a kid, you know, you're just happy-go-lucky. Like you never want to just be mad or get upset. But, you know, after a while, a few life events or a few things that come about, you know, cause you to, you know, approach things a little differently get a little bit of grit behind you and not complain about stuff and, you know, kind of pad up your walls so that you're able to take on bigger, bigger accomplishments. Honestly, the toughness factor definitely came from football in the sense of it's a bullying sport in that sense. And being a smaller guy, when they're chasing you around the field all day and they finally get a hold of you, you know, like it's a part of the game. Like, yeah, they're going <laughs> to, they're going <laughs> to play their game as well. So Having that toughness, knowing that, you know, life isn't always about running fast and running around the field and having a great time. You know, sometimes parts of it are tough. And just knowing that in in order to enjoy the beautiful part of the sport that I play, where I get to run around and, you know, make these big plays and have fun, there's a dark side to it where like, yeah, like sometimes underneath the pile or or so, but that's life. And, um, you know, for every celebrity's great accomplishment, there's probably some stories where, you know, they were having some tough times. And I think that toughness has definitely contributed to a lot of success that I myself has had and uh, a lot of other athletes or other people in positions. I like that you mentioned that because when I asked you that question, what was going through our mind was, and you and I have talked about this before, is, you know, having confidence and believing that you can do things. And so as I was thinking about my own life, I was like, you know, I've always been that go, 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 you can do anything, take (laughs) on the world kind of person. However, there have been moments, things that I've gone through in my life that have made me more mentally tough and and having that thicker skin, you know, being able to endure whatever life throws at you in Move the Ball. There's a chapter called Recognize the Blitz, where I talk about people who have done things that were unethical and just unprofessional in my life that really caused me to pause and be like, And I mean, I was in tears. It was hurtful to know that people can be that cruel. But I mean, those events like that are what really make you tougher, what make you stronger. And all of us have maybe not that specific type of a thing, but we have something that we've gone through or things that we've gone through that have helped to develop that toughness. 100%. So let's talk about your time at North Carolina State for a minute. Talk to us about what was it like running track, playing football at the collegiate level? Well, so NC State has always been slightly a dream school of mine to attend and not like a dream school like, you know, Notre Dame or USC or those types of places, but just being the hometown kid and just kind of attending all the games as a kid. And as a young kid, I used to shag balls for the football team when they practice at NC State's old track, which was their old practice facility at the Weisinger Brown building. And I would actually attend the track practice. I was a track practice with my dad because he's coaching. 
and uh, balls would fall onto the track. And my job started off pretty early as just, you know, keeping the balls off the track. And I already had been participating in football. So every time I got to touch one of the college balls, I was so geeked and excited. So I literally was like a hawk looking for balls to get on the track, hoping they fell on the track so I can participate. But after that, that turned into me just being like honorary ball boy at practices, just showing up at practices, attending camps, and then for sure, just attending the games, but not just attending them to play, but attending them to observe. And then kind of having those childhood dreams of like, I want to run out of the tunnel one day. Fast forward to like high school, you know, I'm getting recruited by all sorts of schools, track as well. It could have gone anywhere for that. And I still wanted to play at NC State because of this hometown connection. So for me, playing at NC State was slightly surreal for the fact that I saw it as a kid. I visualized it as a teen and I got to live it. I wouldn't change it. There are a few things I might change. Of course, I think that's everything in life, but that place made me grow. It's been a part of me since. And now I'm actually currently just kind of giving back as much information and knowledge as I've gotten around the league or around my time being away from NC State. So I love school there. Love playing for the red and white. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I'm, I'm excited all about it. I, <laughs> I'm just a huge fan that actually got to live out his dream. Yeah, we can, <laughs> hear, we can hear the passion that of you playing for the school you want to, which is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to share with everyone listening. I mean, you finished your, your career at NC State as the ACC career leader in kickoff returns. You know, you had 100 or 1,453 receiving yards in your career, 16 touchdowns, had two kick return touchdowns, two punt return touchdowns. What would you say really helped your success? Like, what is it about you and the things that you did that really helped you to be elite at your position and in playing football? I'll give all the glory to my parents. So my parents are both professional track, former professional track runners. My dad's an Olympic silver medalist. My mom's professional track runner as well. So just a combination of those two going into my own success where I run really fast and I just love the wind in my ears, wind in my hair. I don't have much hair. So like wind blowing through my ears, honestly, I can like feel it. It's exhilarating. So like on a football field, I get those chances. And then the coolest part about those is people don't get, people get excited about watching people run fast, especially on a football field. So that gives me a little more juice and energy to go out there and execute those things. So honestly, a lot of my success came from just wanting to not entertain, but just kind of like show people my ability to run fast. I get a kick out of it as a kid. I've always enjoyed it, but it's really fulfilling when you can make like a stadium of 60,000, 70,000 or over stadium you're in stand up and cheer for you because you just, you know, ran as fast as you could, which is a skill, which is awesome to me. I honestly appreciated the fact that they allowed me to do kick returns and punt returns because that was the like wide open opportunity to, to run full speed and yeah, like a kid in a candy store, if that's the case. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite return? It might not be a touchdown. I mean, I'm guessing it would be, but talk to us about your favorite. Okay, my favorite would probably have to be probably my first one. So my first one was as a, I was a freshman and uh, I literally felt like I had no business on the field because I just felt so much smaller than everybody, but I wasn't. I just, just the mindset I was in. So literally every time I touched the ball, I just didn't want anybody to touch me. I was running for my life, just to be honest. I remember my freshman, we were playing Boston College and like a hundred plus yard return. And I just remember catching it in the end zone, running through these different holes and then seeing the, like the lane at the very end. And I just took off. And that was probably the first time I realized like, TJ, you can just run fast, bro. You can accomplish anything. Just run fast. They can't touch you. And I kind of took that into my career after that. And I literally just knew like, cool, if I run, if I wanted to score, just run fast. 
Uh, I needed to piece the rest of it together. However, I'm going to come back, come back with you with another return. Uh, so UNC, uh, University of North Carolina, NC State have a pretty big rivalry. And uh, while I was in school, we were 4-0 at the time. So we had not lost to our rival school, which is a pretty big deal because we've had some pretty good battles the last couple of years. However, we were over there at an away game and uh, had a pretty cool return up the sideline that kind of set us up for that win. As an NC State fan, that's pretty fulfilling. That's pretty cool to like be a part of that story and that history where now every time I talk to anybody, they're like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. So <laughs> I gotcha. Very cool. And something I just want to mention, you, you've said a couple of times, you know, you, I'm not a big guy. I'm a smaller guy. I just want to put that in perspective because you are like six foot. How much did you weigh? Because I mean, I don't want people to think you're like a five, seven <laughs> guy. right? So you're not a small guy in life, but no. on the football field, smaller. So how much were you? What did you weigh in at around that time? Sounds about six foot 180. Okay. My biggest I've ever been is like 192. So I'm not tiny. I'm not tiny. I'm not tiny at all. And I'm more like, <laughs> I don't have very much body fat. So it's a lot of muscle compared to the very large individuals that I play with. I've always felt small. So even in the real world, I'm like, oh, I'm small, but then I'm bigger than most of my coworkers or bigger than most of the people on my airplane. But I'm still have that mindset of, you know, be tough. Uh, I'm a smaller guy, be smarter. Like that's kind of still how I approach life. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. But when you play with 300 pound people, it's like, I'm not 300 pounds. I'm not 6'6". Six, six. Like, these guys are huge. <laughs> right. But I think, too, when you view yourself as being smaller compared to other people, it forces you to be more competitive also and to feel 100%. like you have more to not necessarily more to prove, but like you just have to work harder, right? Like I'm going to work harder, even if I'm not really smaller than them. It, it just goes to your mentality, right? And the way you yes. operate in your routines each and every day and how you show up, which is important. 100%. So something I want to ask you about, I mean, you suffered a stress fracture in college mm -hmm. and you know, that cut your season short. Can you talk, we talked about mental toughness and obviously suffering an injury like that is maybe devastating. I mean, depending on what injury that could be devastating, it could just be disappointing. So talk to us about that injury and, and your recovery process. I'll talk about two injuries too, because I think it's very important to not shy away from injuries because that's kind of the risk we run, you know? So the kids I coach now, I tell them like, Hey, a race car driver knows his risk when he gets in a race car, right? He's not just going to get into it and drive blindly and not expect that the worst could happen. So just Let's go back to my first injury, stress fracture, right? So that was just a culmination of running really, really, really fast a lot and having to maneuver and make those moves and just learning about your body and how you can, you know, what you can do and what its limits are. So in that degree, like I was trying to be the best athlete I could be. I was trying to run as much as I could. I was young. I was trying to lift as much as I could, gain more weight, everything. And you kind of figure out like your limits of life and limits of your body just based off of pushing yourself to that point. So to that degree, like that was a time where I found my limit, <laughs> but it was a slow, it was a slow burn with a stress fracture. So it's not like a, a quick snap or a break. It's more so of like a compounding of, you know, force over time. And those are just things where, that a lot of athletes or people aren't aware of just the impact of things over time and how they slowly like chisel away at something and I kind of put it in perspective that the next year I came back to train I have to be conscious of the little things like the small things that eventually build up it's like you can't keep sweeping the trash into the corner eventually that corner is going to be piled with crap and you have to keep taking care of it so 
just being a better athlete and definitely translating that to being a pro, just, you know, understanding that you have to take care of your body and specifically understand what parts of your body you're impacting and how to curve that. So you don't just keep compounding it, compounding it. And then when it breaks or when you have an injury, it's, it's too late then. My career started changing a little bit to in the NFL as well from another injury I had. I had a um, torn hip labrum that I had gotten surgery for, but I had played, I had my best season with a torn hip labrum. I had my best off season. I was off season MVP for the Bills that year. I was coming back my second year and I ended up tearing my hip labrum that off season, which kind of screwed up all the progress I was going through. That's life, you know, life is, you got to pivot and you got to kind of work through it because you can't change it. No time to sulk and sit back. So having those injuries has definitely helped me figure out stuff like getting up days that are sick. I'm sick. Got to go to work to grind, you know, being injured. You might not be able to play, but you got to go grind. It's a slow grind back to it. So injuries have definitely helped me understand slow growth. If that's the case, slow growth, just kind of have to keep chipping away at it. And eventually it'll come all together. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely agree with you there. Something that you mentioned that I really liked is, you know, even if you're not feeling it, you still have to show up, right? And keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because how you show up matters. And again, part of being that competitive athlete is you show up, whether you are feeling it or a hundred percent or not, you're going to show up and take on the day and do what you got to do. And you talk about pivoting, things happen in life, injuries, unexpected outcomes, other things, just the stresses of the day to day. And you have to pivot and adjust and adapt just like you do on the football field. You do it in life to continue to move the ball forward. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So talk to us about, so I mentioned when I introduced you, you know, drafted third round by the Bills. What was it like for you that first year from a transition from college to pro? Like I have a lot of guys on the show and I'll talk with them outside about how like the speed of the game was different, right? And the NFL is a business. And so for you, what, what were some aha moments or things that like really opened your eyes as you transitioned from college to pro? So transitioning from like college to pro, I'm not going to do the cliche. It was the speed of the game because it's duh, the speed of the game. It's the best players in the world. Like, yes, duh. But it was more so of it's a lot harder to make those plays you see in college that are just kind of like wide open. Like you have those instances in the NFL, of course, but like a lot of the plays that are made are are low percentage. Like they're very tough catches, very tough plays to make. It almost I would almost compare it to how in basketball you have some guys who make very difficult shots look fairly easy. So like Kobe Bryant was like always doing turnaround fadeaway jumpers. And if you ever done a turnaround fadeaway jumper, you clearly know it's fairly difficult. And then if you have a guy who's seven foot in front of you or six foot plus with the hand in your face, like, you know, how far you have to fade away and shoot the ball and execute it at a high level. So that's kind of like the feeling you get when you're on the football field, where like the competition is stiffer. So the margin for error is lower. And you have to still execute to keep your job. So the guys that are executing those plays are executing plays at a very high level. And that goes back to practice, to OTAs, the game for sure. But I feel like every day is like high level intensity. And some guys just have a knack for it. And some guys have to work for it. But either way, everybody on the field, they, they deserve to be there. Like you can clearly figure out who should and shouldn't be there very quickly. Honestly, I would say just the margin for error how tough it is to actually make a play in the NFL. I feel like that's the hardest part. In college, you'll get a little bit more freedom. You'll get some guys or some players or some teams that might not be a professional caliber. So you get a chance to really do something exceptional. Sure. And I mean, the percentage of people that make it from 
you know, high school to college yeah. and then college to the NFL, very, very small percentages. So you really are playing with the elite of the elite, yes. right? And so, yeah, it's definitely more difficult to make plays. Something you mentioned earlier when we were talking about you at NC State, you're like, well, you know, I wouldn't have traded it. There were some things I would do differently. There's always things you would do differently, right, when we're looking back. And so I'm going to ask you, as you look back on your NFL career, you mentioned, you know, giving back and giving advice to people. I work with a lot of guys in the league and helping to position them for longevity in their career, but also success beyond the game. What advice would you give to young players today that are either looking, trying to make it to the league, that are looking, trying to extend their time in the league, and then also how to, things they should be doing now while they are playing to position them to be successful beyond the game? That's a great question. So things that I would definitely suggest for players to do while they're playing, that could definitely help them post-career for sure. I, going even back to college, just I always wanted and dreamt of playing the NFL and knew that I had a chance and worked hard for it, of course. But I always knew that football is a very injury riddled sport. And I've always been slightly afraid to put all my eggs in one basket, knowing that I don't have very much control I'm on the field. Like I have control of myself, but there's a lot of things that you don't have control of. So the advice I give my guys now is like, I was, I was kind of nosy. Like, I don't want to say I was annoying, but I wanted to know the ins and outs of my college team and how it worked. I wanted to know the ins and outs of an NFL organization and how it worked, because there's a lot of stuff that happens prior to us playing football for just even us to get on the field to play. And I don't take that for granted at all in the sense of like, there's a lot of things that change hands for us to even just walk on the practice field, for us to board a plane, for us just to travel to play a game. Like, so I always would ask questions. I would be intrigued by different job titles around. I would ask what they were doing. I was just into it in the sense of, I don't know everything, but I'd like to know more because I know football is a huge part of my life, but I also know I won't be able to play the sport my entire life. So I wanted to stay close to the game, but also not be ignorant to the fact that I'm right next to everything about the game. I just need to pay attention. My advice I give is just pay attention to stuff around you, you know, like ask questions, introduce yourself because this time's going to come and go really quickly. Like I'm 31, but I'd be 32 and I'm, I'm done, done. Like, I mean, yeah, I could probably train and go back and ask somebody for like a day of practice, but other than that, I'm done. So all the um, foundation has been laid. Everything's concrete's done. Like I can't make any more changes. However, the younger guys that I talk to, like you guys have a lot of time. So just the other day, just going to NC State to, you know, attend a camp and watch some of the high school kids just compete. Some of the college guys are there operating some of the um, stations. And I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're just jotting down a few measurables that they took from the kids. I'm like, oh, you're doing data entry, manual data entry. Cool. So make sure you put that on your resume. I said, what are you doing with your iPad? He goes, oh, I'm doing the same thing just on iPads. Oh, so you're doing electronic data entry. I was like, you know, these are transferable skills to the real world that you are acquiring right now here. So if that answers your question, I literally just think of every possibility to, you know, translate what I do on the football field that seems fairly easy to real world because it's applicable and it's, you should definitely be a, a topic. Yeah, I like that because I think you find with the career span or the length of an NFL career continuing to be shorter, more and more younger kids are thinking about, okay, this is not going to be the thing that puts me into retirement, right? So I need to make sure that I'm positioning myself and, and figuring out what are those transferable skills that I can communicate out to people so that I can figure out what's next 
for me. So I think that's important, something that I work with a lot of folks, unfortunately, you know, they haven't been thinking about that. So they don't know, like, what are those transferable skills? What have I done? I just played football. No, you didn't just play football, (laughs) right? So let's break it down. Let's figure out what did you do? And I'm going to give a shout out to one of your NC State brethren. I know we've talked about him before, Naheem Hines, running back Indianapolis (laughs) Colts. That guy, we've talked about his confidence. I mean, he's had great performances last season, was his best season, yet I'm excited for the next season. But something about Naheem that I really like too, aside from him, he's got a good head on his shoulders, but like he did an internship at Bojangles, right? Because he, or I don't know if it was an internship, but he just went to work. Then he's like, I just want to learn. I just want to understand, see what it's like. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those are the things that you should be doing, right? Is thinking about other things beyond football. What other skills can you pick up? I don't know if he will ever own a Bojangles franchise, but (laughs) he might be a franchise. Yeah. He might own the franchise. At least he understands it from the ground up, but he's thinking about the business side. So it's, you know, what, what else besides football, which I think is so important. And it's good to see that some kids are thinking about that, but I think there's still a lot that aren't thinking about that. So hopefully folks that are listening to this show and just other people out there will have good mentors that will encourage them to start networking, picking up skills, thinking about what is it that they do day to day that is transferable outside of the football context. I actually, on this back end now, I kind of wish or wonder, wonder, had I spent 100% of my time living and dedicating my life to strictly just football, how far I could have gone. But like I said, putting all my eggs in that basket is slightly scary, knowing that I don't really trust the physicality of football to take care of me. But every athlete goes through that, every football player, because a lot of people just say, this is my only avenue. I put all of my eggs in that basket. But then what next is the real question. What next? I gotcha. So let's talk about what you're doing now. So you hung up your cleats, right? You're training clients with maximum velocity, and then we'll talk about breakaway data. But talk to us about what is maximum velocity and what is it that you do with it? Okay, so I currently coach people to run fast, period, right? I was able to execute it at a high level. And the fact that I was able to have success on the track and on the football field, that's a very like small demographic, but very, 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 very important demographic in football where not many people know how to coach that particular athlete, but every school and every NFL coach wants a very fast individual, very fast individual. It's a very hard thing to translate over to football field, especially in the sense there's lateral agility more so than just vertical. So right now I coach maximum velocity, which is basically just the act of running as fast as you can and maximizing that, not really trying to do a lot of crazy sprinting, but more so of executing proper technique so that when your body's in flight or you're in motion, that you can maximize that outcome. Uh, So I run with pretty good technique and I'm pretty much now trying to translate that technique and stuff I've been taught through my dad, through my parents, through my track career, through my football career and kind of pass that back down. My first stop right now, because I'm living back in Raleigh, is through the um, couple of the seniors over at NC State. I've actually been able to coach some of the high-level recruits too in the area for high school. But on top of that, during the pandemic, I was coaching track athlete from Gabon. He actually just qualified for the Olympics. So it's just a matter of just piecing all that together and teaching what I know to people. So I know how to run fast and I know how to play football. And I would like to show that to guys that they don't get to experience or encounter guys like myself. 
So I'm just kind of giving that knowledge to give them expertise. And especially since I didn't have this as a kid, I would have loved to have a person like me show back up. So it's just my version of giving back. Sure. And by using maximum velocity and the mechanics around and applying it to being a better athlete, being more successful on the football field, that's a differentiator, right? Like that's something else that guys who train with you can then use to excel at their position. And so I think that's great that you're doing that. And now talk to us too about Breakaway Data. How long have you been with them? And talk to us about the company and what it is they do. Okay, so I currently work for Breakaway Data. I'm head of performance and on-field application, but also work with the business development too. So, but I'm also part of the marketing team. I do event planning. I'm a little bit of everything, which is pretty cool because that goes back to you asking me about football and how that translates to off the field where when I was on the team, I would listen to stuff, understand stuff. And now understanding that organization, I'm able to you know, have a hand in breakaway data in different spots. I do Photoshop. I do creative media. I do event planning. I do sales. I'm a good coach. you know. So it just goes on the line of opportunity. But with breakaway, we're an outsourced data team, data science team. So what we do is we take all your data that you've compiled through sports performance tech over a while. And we kind of translate that back out to be more athlete friendly. So a lot of the data that's collected is very scientific. A lot of the time it's not translated back to the athlete very well in a very, you know, visually appealing way, or even just them understanding like, what is this? Or why do I need to be concerned about it? So through Breakaway, we basically take your data and we produce some type of content or any type of content you like that kind of explains back to the athlete what we do. What can they do with the data? What can they do for better to better themselves? All that cool stuff. And the owner of the company, CEO, he's a former NFL player as well. He and I met two years ago or so and prior prior to the pandemic. And we had just started talking and getting things going. COVID kind of hit. So we kind of took a you know step back. Sports kind of was irrelevant when the world is in chaos. So we, of course, took a step back. And this year, we're back up in full swing now. And we are taking on clients. We're working with a number of NCAA schools right now, NFL teams uh, over in Europe. We are all over the place right now with just taking on data, spinning it back to them in very visually friendly ways, helping them with their software integration so that they don't miss data and they're able to capitalize on every piece that they've ever collected. The point of me actually signing on with Breakaway was because towards the end of my career, I started technology started to become a larger part and I started having access to it, but still not enough access. And had I been able to acquire some of this data or just some of the knowledge about myself, I probably could have been a better athlete towards the end and the beginning, because you learn a lot of stuff about yourself that you usually just had to do based off what your coach told you or something you saw on tape, but through like a GPS device or any type of assessment, you could find all these weaknesses that you know, may have resulted in, like we said earlier, stress fracture that you could have stopped. So just now I'm able to give back in that sense where I might help a young version of myself figure out an injury or figure out a way to improve themselves just by a few points of data that have been collected that they had never set eyes on. All in all, that's what breakaway data is. I think it's, it resonates with me as a player, resonates with me as a person, and it's, it's a pure way to genuinely help an athlete out. I'm excited to be a part of the team. And uh, can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, it seems like an exciting company. I mean, there's so much data out there. 
you know, and so it's important to leverage and utilize that data to be able to optimize and improve performance, prevent injuries, whether that's in sports or there's so much data just everywhere, right? And so mm-hmm. being able to capitalize on technology and use data to make better decisions is important and it's one way to move the ball. So I think that's great what the company is doing and tell people how can they learn more about breakaway data as well as what you're doing with maximum velocity. What we do at Breakaway Data, so Breakaway Data is the leading outsourced data science team built by athletes, for athletes, and used by coaches. We integrate your technology and software to make everything easier for elite athletic teams, from data collection and data mining, codifying and implementing a system that monitors your inputs and provides feedback. We help elite athletes and athletic teams connect and collaborate the data from technology so they can focus on winning. And you can find out more information at breakawaydata.com. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter, we're fairly active. Um, like I said, I'm in the process of handling our social media at the time. So Instagram is coming up. In regards to like maximum velocity, they actually play together. So I'm actually going to kind of host a couple segments called Breakaway Speed, which is going to be a marriage between breakaway data using different forms of technology and my maximum velocity training and just kind of showing how, you know, speed's a very important part of football. So just talking about it, everyone's going to be excited. I coach it and I enjoy it, but adding the technology in and seeing how it can translate over is going to be awesome. So if you need to find me, you could find me on Instagram as well at do it for the gram. Yep. Very easy. Do it for the gram. And if you would like some maximum velocity training or you have some questions, like just contact me. I'm all about it. I like to do research, I like to talk about stuff, different techniques. I love challenges to figure out, you know, like why this person runs this way. Why shouldn't this person run this way? Like, I think it's cool. So maximum velocity, running efficiently, running as fast as you can. Perfect. And we're going to have all of those links in the show notes so people can follow. Perfect. You learn more about breakaway data and continue to stay connected with you on the journey. So TJ, what I want to do now is I want to take you through my two-minute drill to end the show. Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to be. Okay. <laughs> First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Oh my gosh, 10 years old. I actually wanted to play in the NFL. I had a teacher tell me that I probably should try something new. But I remember getting like some bed sheets with like the the old NFL teams. And this is before the Texans were around. I had the Houston Oilers on my on my sheets. I had the Houston Oilers and the Titans weren't on it either. It was like almost 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to play in the NFL. So I there's a quote of mine when I was a kid, oh, when I got a little bit older. So as NFL, like, so how are you right now? I'm like, what do you dream about when you're living your dream? I don't know what to do after. I didn't know what to do after NFL, but just smile from ear to ear. (laughs) I like that. All right. My next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? (laughs) So who would play me? Uh, Who would play me in a movie about my life? So when I was in Buffalo, Stevie Johnson was the OG veteran receiver at the time. And he's hilarious. So this movie Temptation came out. And this dude rode me for life saying, I look like the lead actor in uh, Temptation. I think his name's Robbie Jones. So I'm stuck between Robbie Jones. There's an actor in The Wire that apparently looks like me too, where I look like him. A guy stopped me in the airport and would not let me on the plane until I completely told him that I wasn't the actor <laughs> from The Wire. Yes. That, those would be my two younger selves, right? Or middle, like age now. But as an, if I had to do an older self, I'm doing Idris Elba, like. I'm cool with that. Okay. I'm definitely cool with that. I actually like to transform into that type of older looking guy. <laughs> Got it. All right. 
All right. My next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, this is going to be sad because I'm actually Jamaican. But I would say I went to the Hard Rock Hotel in Punta Cana, which was pretty sweet. And I've been to Atlantis and the Bahamas a couple of times. But yeah, it's between those two right now because they're pretty easy to bop over to. Sure. I would like to go to Namibia and go see the Namib Desert where the ocean meets the desert. So it's one of those. I need one of those. I'm cool with that. Got it. All right. Cool. How about what's your favorite ice cream flavor? All right. Favorite ice cream flavor. I love anything coconut. <laughs> so there's okay. a spot here in North Carolina called Goodberries, where they have like flavors of the day. And I keep a, like a calendar of and I uh, jot it down of all the coconut days. Like there's a coconut day this week, I think the 23rd. I'm geeked to go to go get. So I usually get coconut I flavored ice cream with cookie dough chunks in it which is pretty good. Oh, very good. I'm glad it's not just plain old vanilla. Perfect. Okay. No, good. no, no. All right. How about what's a pet peeve of yours? Cold showers. Oh. If you really want to irritate me, <laughs> make me take a cold shower. It's a wrap. There's a there's a lot of jokes about women like scalding hot showers. Well, I like scalding hot showers, but I'm not a woman, so I'm fighting against that. Like, I just like hot showers. I just dislike cold showers. <laughs> I like hot showers, but there are benefits, performance benefits to cold showers. There are, except for, I'd rather just do blazing hot. I'm okay with it. Yep. Just blazing hot. <laughs> I feel you. All right. My next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Okay. So currently I've been like reading a little bit, a little bit at a time about hermeticism, about the hermetic code and just kind of how, how we as people move around and how we affect things and how things affect us and just kind of figure out how to move in the world, you know, and just the world isn't what we live in. The world is bigger than that because a lot of what we see is Mm man-made. So just trying to figure out how is a man or a woman or a person just to move through the earth and through the world and, you know, produce pure energy. So just kind of, I'm into that right now. (laughs) <laughs> All right. My last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I actually don't know why. Cause as I've getting, as I'm getting older, like these things, if my versions of history are changing, I'm more aware of things that I was just taught and things were left out, but I was really into like Alexander the Great. I just kind of liked how he at the time brought together through force, all the different kingdoms, but he compiled all their information and resources in one space in Alexandria. And I, I like history. So anybody that respects other people's history and compiles it, even for their own benefit, but preserves it, I like that. So I'd say Alexander the Great. I'm going to go with either Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, because I'd really like to listen to kind of how courageous they were to take that stand at that time, because I'm scared of my mind to make very vocal statements now. And I'm nowhere near the amount of influence they had or how far they stuck their neck out. And uh, I would say the last person I would invite living, let's go living. I'd like to really sit down with Elon Musk for some reason, because I don't know how this guy went from zero to hero. And I'd really like to know, and he's building rockets. Like anybody that builds rockets to me is you're on a different planet, literally. So I'm going to find find out something new just by sitting around him for sure. Oh, absolutely. So I go with those. <laughs> yeah. Elon is definitely one of those creative, innovative, thinks differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push it. Push, push, the, push it. the limits. Yes. 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 And as a Tesla owner and shareholder, I just think that he's <laughs> doing amazing things. And yeah, I also would love to have a conversation with him one day. Set it up. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. I'll make it happen. I'll work on that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, TJ, for being on the show. Any shout outs to any guys playing in the league currently you want to give? 
Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I want to give some shout outs. First off, I want to give shout outs to all guys playing because honestly, there's an opportunity. I'm going to do a breakaway plug. Honestly, there's a, there's a huge benefit here of owning your own data. Own your own data. Owning your own data is like owning your own EMRs, your medical records. Owning your own data is important because this data is being used against us for us to get new contracts. It's being used against us for performance evaluations in-house for us to start or not start, even for injuries. Own your own data. Understand your data. So I was really good friends with Marquise Goodwin, played with Robert Woods. I played, I'm just talking about receivers, but there's a bunch of guys around. And, you know, these guys are my dudes. So if any of you guys listen to this, come see me. Like, let's talk about this. Let's get your data. Let's get these rights going. And uh, it's a huge benefit. So just find me at all the links and definitely help out. Absolutely. Well, thanks, TJ, again, for being (laughs) on the show. Like I said before, I love your energy. I appreciate you sharing all the insights and experiences with our listeners today. And so thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is a good time and I appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for listening. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.